Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Watch podcast series. I'm John Briggs, Global Head of Death Strategy. This series helps you cut through the noise of global financial markets with a quick take on the upcoming trends to watch. Hello, everyone. While it was a quiet week for data and events, I do want to come back to a subject that we've been discussing the last few weeks, that of the summer and heading into various central banks tapering at different speeds and different paces. Now, two things to note here. First, for the U.S. and the Federal Reserve, we continue to see the tapering announcement happening formally in September, but the conversation picking up as we head into the summer months. Interestingly, talk out of the Fed, while remaining dovish, has definitely turned a bit more two-way. Fed's Vice Chair Richard Claret in particular has turned more balanced in his discussion of the risks going forward and the potential the need to talk about, talk about tapering soon. Again, this is very slow processes, but for a monetary policy that's going to evolve at a glacial pace, even small and subtle changes are worth taking note of. Um, and while it's a slow process, it brings back to the fore something we've talked about in the past, which is that markets are still priced for a very slow evolution of monetary policy. So in my view, the risks all lie in anything that accelerates that timeline. Again, our base case, the chatter will pick up over the next few weeks and months. But as we head into next week, where we have the U.S. non-farm payroll report, if we get a decent employment report this coming Friday, followed by another strong inflation report in the next couple of weeks, markets could start to adjust for a faster or tighter Fed than is currently priced. This would mean higher yields, possibly a stronger dollar, and volatility for risk assets. I still think that the strong growth outlook overall means that over time, risk will be fine. But as we said in recent podcasts, in the next few months, they're definitely expect more volatility with risk assets. Now, you may not get that outcome of higher jobs and strong inflation that I just um, brought up, but we need to be alert for that risk heading into next week and then uh, through June itself. Second is that we've had the ECB, which has actually gone the other way. As we head into their June 10th meeting, the ECB Members have turned more dovish, hinting that their expanded pace of purchases doesn't need to end in the third quarter, which is something the markets have started to discuss. Again, there's potential implications for the currency, especially if there is a backdrop of a stronger U.S. US data, um, which could lead to a stronger dollar or a hawkish Fed. And then again, potential overall volatility around the meeting itself if the ECB does or doesn't potentially follow through on some of their recent dovish comments. But it is interesting that we do have two very different changing reaction functions from two very different central banks. That just reflects where they are in different parts of the cycle. So I haven't mentioned the UK yet, which is on purpose because I have our chief UK economist and also who's also our co-head of global economics, Ross Walker with me. Ross Walker with me. Sorry, Ross. (laughs) Where would you put the Bank of England in the context of what I just discussed? Do you see any changes from, from their side coming anytime soon? So we read the, the bank's May monetary policy report as signaling that we're still some way from a, a rate rise and that they are, you know, they're, they're, their approach is really one of caution rather than preemption in terms of tightening. So if you were a bit more optimistic or you thought a bit more inflation was going to come through, you could probably make the case that they pulled the trigger on higher bank rate in the latter part of 2022. We still lean a little bit more dovishly and think the first rate hike will be in 2023. But that's the sort of ballpark they're signaling. So probably hiking before the Fed and probably some way before the ECB. Um, But in terms of their general messaging and their view around inflation, it's it's definitely a a cautious approach. I think they, they want to see how the economy evolves through really what has been an unprecedented shock and an unprecedented recovery. And certainly we don't think they're going to be spooked by 
any bumper GDP numbers in the, the second half of this year and what we think will be a, a temporary overshoot in inflation. So two questions off that, you know, given um, the conversation, the temporary overshoot in inflation. So you do see that coming down next year. And I know just in the US, we actually have inflation not particularly coming down as much. So um, where do you see UK inflation? So we have quite a sharp rise over the remainder of this year. And on, on CPI, we see the peak close to, to 3%. And I would say the risks around that are, are moderately to the upside. Um, so what in, you know, would not be an unprecedented overshoot. Bear in mind, we had CPI peaking at over 5% uh, in, in the aftermath of the global financial crisis. And then there was a prolonged overshoot for four years or so uh, between 2010 and 2013. So the sort of overshoot we're expecting, we think is within the boundaries of what we have seen recently. And therefore the Bank of England will be quite prepared to, to look through those first round effects. The, the key judgment I think around the BOE is at what point do you think they will be able to determine whether this has been a one-off uh, inflation burst in response to the reopening of the economy, or is this really evidence of a more protracted overshoot, a more broad-based rise in the general price level? I think that judgment will be one that we can make probably through the middle of next year. It will be probably difficult to, to, I think, to draw definitive conclusions on that much earlier. Gotcha. And then just one more on the growth side. I know you recently put out a piece on the UK corporate sector and the investment outlook. Uh, can you share your conclusions on that side? Because we talk a lot about consumption, but the corporate side um, is something of interest too. Yeah, so this year's recovery is about the consumer. I think that's a very consensual view. The data certainly seem to be coming in in a way that is consistent with that theme. So the question we ask is, as we move through 2022, to what extent do we think the corporate sector can pick up the the baton through higher capital expenditure. And the evidence I think in the UK is, is moderately encouraging. The, the surveys are, are rebounding, uh, investment intention surveys. Uh, in terms of funding, there seems to be adequate, affordable uh, financing through both bank lending and capital markets. Uh, there's certainly a sense that the recovery and growth through this year will, will reinforce corporate confidence more generally. But the surveys aren't really, the investment intention surveys are not at the, the sort of stratospheric levels that we see in some of the high frequency data, like the PMIs or other consumer confidence surveys. So there is still a sense that the corporate sector is lagging, uh, that recovery uh, will probably build more gradually, tail end of this year and through 2022. So we see uh, some, some encouraging signs, some green shoots in the corporate sector, but the, the fundamentals there, corporates have taken on a lot more debt over the past year or so through the pandemic, uh, are not quite as favorable as, as those in the household sector. Got it. Thanks for that, Ross. And that'll be it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for joining. And we'll see how we get through the data and what I expect to be a volatile period through June. Have a good week. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Weekly Watch. Please subscribe to our channel to get future episodes. We also encourage you to explore more of our content on our website and other social media channels.